Uh, we're continuing our series uh, on Kingdom Vision uh, this year, which is our, our theme for the year, starting from September to September. And part of this uh, sub-theme of Kingdom Vision is this idea of kingdom victory that Jesus has overcome. Uh, and the way we've been looking at this is a little bit of a... Um, video game kind of theme. Uh, but it's kind of this idea of when we're starting uh, off our, our, our relationship with God and our journey with him, um, what does it look like for us to really be part of the victory of the kingdom of Christ? Um, what does it mean for our lives to be transformed in that way? Um, and my, my big push this year is, uh, is, is really that we all need to grow deeper in our relationship with God. This is not something that, that we just expect just a church to, to feed us or, or something like that. And, and the church plays a part in that. But there needs to be really this moment in your life where you say, you know, God, I, I want, I, I am your disciple. I follow you. Um, I need to grow in you. And, and your love for God's word and, and your desire for his spirit to speak into your life needs to increase. So we really get pushed forward in this. Um, it's, it's becoming all the more urgent because as this world is becoming a little bit more filled with kind of a variety of crises, um, we as Christians need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for whatever challenges we get faced with and be ready to move out in that. And so that's one of the big pushes. And part of this theme of kingdom victory is, is seeing that actually we do this because we know Christ is victorious at the end. And so it's trying to increase our faith that, that our God is, is, is the one we trust. No matter whether things in this world are good or bad, we are still looking to the end uh, and knowing that Christ is victorious. And so we press on a little bit more actively in our life here to make the most of it. And so with this, uh, this week, we're, we're thinking about this idea of building your character. Um, and it's not in terms of building your character as in becoming more of a, a person of good character. Um, but it's actually, well, how do, the question that I was asking in this is, like, actually, who are we? Um, what are we like and who have we become? So I thought it'd be fun to kind of uh, flip through your life a little bit, or at least my life a little bit, and, and take a look. And so, you know, when you're like 12 years old, um, all of us, and this is a little bit simpli- simplistic of trying the way we think about life, but this is kind of how it is, right? We, we are, you know, we have uh, some of these attributes. We have some health. We have time. We have energy. Uh, we have money, and we have responsibility, and we have experience. Um, and when you're 12 years old, you have a lot of really, you have really good health, right? So your health level is totally fine. You have loads of time. You have loads of energy, but you have very little money. Uh, you have very little responsibility, and you have very little experience in life. No matter how wise you are, you think as a 12-year-old, you have very little experience in life. Um, and when you are a 12-year-old, you think, this is what I need to do. This is why I need to study. I need to start thinking about my no one's thinking about their studies at 12. Anyways, but you're supposed to, and your parents hope you're learning how to do chores. Um, and, uh, but we'll move forward a little bit. And then we get to you know, university years. You're 20. You're wearing hoodies all the time. And you still have good health, uh, depending on the night. Uh, you have loads of time, even though you complain constantly that you have no time because you haven't studied. But you have no idea how much time you have. Uh, everyone who is older says, I wish I was in university again so I could just sleep. Um, you have loads of energy, even though you say, I don't have energy. It's because you spent it all night gaming. Uh, but you have very little money. Uh, you have... Uh, you have some responsibility, uh, and even with that little responsibility that you have, you're probably not very responsible with it. Uh, and you also, once again, have just a little bit of experience in life. Um, then you hit your 30s, or this is, a, this is just a possibility. You have, your health has gone down. Um, uh, your time is now uh, being split a little bit more. You have less energy, uh, but you have more money maybe, a more disposable income, and your responsibility has increased, uh, and you have more experience in life. And maybe around this age, you start to meet someone, uh, and then you discover that all your meters change again because now you have more responsibility, less money, uh, more energy, and less time. Um, now, in all of these cases, all of these life transition points, um, 
it starts to make you think, well, who am I now? Am I a student? Uh, am I working? Am I uh, a boyfriend or am I a girlfriend? And you start to feel pulled in different directions and more responsibilities come along the way. And then you get to about 40, you have less hair, uh, you have, your health has gone down, and maybe you suddenly have a baby. You have no time, you have no energy, and you have a lot less money, and your responsibility is now off the charts because you are caring for something that can't care for itself but shouts at you all the time. Um, and you're gaining a lot more experience in life. Um, and it's in this stage, I would say, that for a lot of us it is particularly challenging because um, – Whereas you used to have more energy towards your spouse, you no longer have that. You have to focus on your child. Uh, when you used to make the shots or call the shots in the house, now someone else has to say, well, you need to worry about this with the house being clean or the baby taken care of. And your health starts to have different issues. And you spend more time thinking, well, who am I really? Am I still able to pursue my career? Or am I just a parent in this household? Is my value or my worth based on how well my child turns out? Um, what am I supposed to be doing? And you start looking back at your life and thinking, well, what have I done so far? Um, even with my degree, that doesn't even play any part in what I'm doing my job now. And then it goes a little bit further, and you get 65, your child is gone, you're, uh, there, your wife has not aged at all. Um, <laughs> but your hair is completely gone. I, this, is just, this is just an example. I mean, I don't know anyone who has to go through exactly like this. But let's say you're 65 now, and your health has gone down. You have a little more time. You have less energy. You have more money. You have more responsibility. You have a lot more experience in life as well. And then finally, you get to maybe, let's say, 85, and now your health has gone down. Uh, your time has gone up, but your energy is lower. You have some money. Your responsibility is a lot less now. Um, and your experience in life is really great. And it's a bit ironic, isn't it? At this point in your life, when you have the most experience, um, the least amount of people want to hear from you. Um, and when you're the youngest and you have l very little experience, you have tons of energy and time, you want to run around telling everyone how you think life should be. Um, the reason I bring up all these characters is this question of actually, well, who, who are you really? You know, what, what is your life really like? And, and, the, and the dilemma and the, the problem that comes is that we have different roles that we play as life goes on. When you are in university, your role is a university student. Uh, that's what you're supposed to be. When you get older, you're a parent or you're an employee. And all those roles, sometimes we feel like, oh, we're good at that or not good at that. I wish I was better at that. Uh, or I'm just a failure in all of these things. And it's kind of this exploration, well, where does God fit into this? Where does my relationship with God kind of fit into this whole kind of picture? If we look at all these kind of different um, attributes of who we are, you know, whether you are a son or a daughter, uh, you are um, a parent or a spouse, a spouse you're a boss, uh, you're a leader, you're a follower, you're a manager, you're a student, all these different roles, for some of us, we're like, you know, I wish I was a better parent. I wish I was a better husband or a better wife. I wish I was a better student. I wish I was a better employee. I wish I was better at my job. And all of these kind of pressure points that come into our life make us then think, well, I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that. And we start questioning, well, do I just work at it to get better? Who am I really? One of the biggest problems we see is, uh, challenges I have is uh, when, when parents have invested all their time in their kids and they lean so much on their children and uh, raising them, and that becomes their whole identity. When their kids uh, reach their teenage years and then go to university and then leave home, uh, the parent awfully suddenly gets to this point where like, well, what am I doing with my life now? Who am I? Where do I belong? When people have been working in their jobs for 40, 50 years, and then they retire, suddenly they're like, well, people are like so excited. Oh, you're retired now. You can do whatever you want. And they're like, yeah, I can only play so much golf. What do I do with my life now? You begin to lose who you are or what you're meant to be doing. And 
and whether it's trying to be better at what you do or trying to know who you are in the face of transitions or changes, that's the question that I want to kind of deal with. Do you choose who you want to be or has God chosen who you are to be? What is the best version of you? And who are you kind of really? Who are you becoming? And so I want to look at this in particular with an uh, example of Jesus. And we're continuing on from Luke where um, uh, Auntie started off last week. And we'll look at a relationship with Jesus and his disciples. And we'll step into this. And part one will be uh, looking at Luke chapter 5, the first few verses. So let me read this out. Uh, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And then Jesus says, um, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And then Simon Peter responds, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, this conversation is really interesting, right? Um, Peter is a fisherman. This is his job. He is, uh, this is his role. This is what he does. This is what he knows. He knows all about fishing. Uh, and he's been washing his nets, which means they didn't catch anything. They've cleaned and scrubbed everything up. It's like you're a chef in a restaurant, and now you've washed all the pots and dishes, and you put it to the side, and you're ready. And then... Uh, this guy shows up and says, cook me a meal. And you're like, I literally just washed everything up, and you want me to cook something now. They're, they're, he's there, washed all the nets, and uh, he's in the boat, and Jesus says, oh, put out into deep water and uh, let down your nets. Now, Jesus is not a fisherman. Um, Peter knows this. J- Jesus is a teacher. Jesus uh, is a rabbi. I think that's the closest thing they're calling him, right? Um, even though he's not set in a normal synagogue, he is a teacher. They know he's a mor- miracle worker. He's someone special. Uh, But he's not a fisherman. Now, I know nowadays with the internet, all of us think we're doctors. Like, we'll look up some disease that we have, and we'll go to the doctor. GP say, oh, I'm sure I have this. I'm dying from this. And the GP will be like, you're not a doctor. Stop telling me you don't need vaccinations, okay? You know, we think we know something. And if someone who is not specifically skilled in that kind of area, we tend to disregard them, right? So here's here's Peter, a fisherman. This is what he does for a living. That's his role. That's who he is. And then Jesus comes along and says, oh, you didn't catch anything all night, you know, and, you know, fish come out at night. Let's go out into deep water and cast out your nets. Now, the interesting thing is what the response is. Peter says, look, we worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will do it. Because you say so, I will go ahead and do it. He's saying it actually not because he believes Jesus is right. And now he's, he's looking at Jesus thinking, you're not actually a fisherman. You probably don't know anything about this. But because of who you are, I will submit to your request, and I will go out there. This is the first thing that we have to say. Submit your role to the lordship of Christ. Submit your role to the Lord of Christ. Whatever role it is that you think you're playing, whether it is a parent, a mother, or a father, or a daughter, or a son, whether it is an accountant, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or you're unemployed, or you're just working in a restaurant, for all of those roles, you stop and you say, God, I submit who I think I am, my role, to your lordship. I want to say whatever it is, you want to say to me to do, I will do. And you can, you can say, well, I don't really believe you really know what you're talking about. 
You know, you may not be the best accountant ever. You may not be the best uh, doctor ever, Jesus, but I will submit to you. Okay, now, of course, that's a very Christian thing to say, and, of course, all your questions should be at this point, okay, that's fine, Bert, I will submit to the Lordship. But how do I do that? What does that actually mean? How do I actually submit my role to the Lordship of Christ? So we look at this again. It's in this phrase where Jesus says, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. There's two things that he brings up here. First off is put out into deep water, and the second is let down your nets for a catch. Now, Jesus is giving him two points of obedience. And actually, he's not absolving Peter's role as a fisherman. Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus knows everything, so we just ask him to do all the stuff for us. But that's not what's happening here. Jesus is not saying, oh, I'm going to show you how to fish then, okay? Um, Come on, get in the boat. I'm going to row out there. I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to put down the nets. No, he tells Peter what he needs to do. In other words, Peter is still playing a part of a fisherman in this situation. In other words, there's no devolvement of your role, but it's submitting to the authority and the lordship of Christ. So the first thing is put out your nets, uh, put out into deep water, which is going out someplace and then laying down your nets. You need to listen, you need to obey, and you need to act. You need to act on whatever God is saying. It is essentially listen and obey, hear and do. You can't just not act on whatever God is saying. You actually have to Submit. You have to listen to what he's saying. You need to respond, and you need to do it. Now, now, at this point, you're all saying, oh, Bert, yeah, okay, this is, again, this is what we hear in Christian times all the time. But what does that mean? What does it mean really listen to God? Let's say you're, uh, you're in a clinic, and you're sitting there, and you're saying, okay, I need to submit my role uh, to God. Uh, what do I do? Do I sit there, and I just listen until, you know, the Lord speaks and says, oh, administer this drug to them, and that should be fine, right? Like, if you did that, uh, you're, you would you know, run out of your seven minutes in your GP office very fast. I mean, the flip side is, as a parent, you're there, and you and your wife are having a disagreement on how to raise your child or whether you should put them to bed or not, and you say, well, I know, submit my role as a husband or a wife to Christ. Let me sit here, and um, God, I'm listening for you on what to do. How do I do this? Yeah, wait, it's very, like, it doesn't seem like it makes much sense. So if I preach this, and I said, go home and submit to the Lordship of Christ, you will say, yes. And you say, oh, you must listen and obey. You say yes. And then you go home and you be like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how that works, right? I mean, really the question is, what does that even mean? So let's look at this a little bit more. So we go back down to the first few verses. So again, it's saying, you have to imagine this picture. So Jesus is standing by this lake, right? And there's a crowd of people there. And everyone's listening to the word of God. Everyone's listening to the word of God, except for a bunch of fishermen who are on the side washing their nets. Peter's not here to see Jesus. Peter is just there because that's where they finished fishing. Okay, this is the first kind of observation. He's, he's not there to listen to Jesus. He's there washing his nets. And then Jesus gets into his boat. So Peter's not even in the boat at the moment. He's probably washing the nets either on the beach. Maybe he's washing it in the boat. But Jesus gets in the boat and says, oh, just cast off a little bit so that I can teach from here. Now, at this point, what happens is we see is, um, actually, we know the fishermen who were just washing their nets are not really paying attention. But now that Jesus gets in the boat with him, he has to pay attention, right? Like, it's probably very rude of him to, Jesus is now in the boat, and uh, he's there with him, and Jesus is teaching, and Peter's there washing the nets, you know, doing that. He's, he's just got to sit there. He's got to sit there, and he's got to listen, and he's got to choose to actively engage and to be there with him. 
And then he sat down and taught the people. Now, for us, what this means is actually, if you want to really know who you are and where you belong and get better at your role and become the best version of yourself, it means you have to sit with Christ and listen to him daily. Like, you have to be in his presence. You, ha- you have to know what it means to actually sit there with Jesus. I, the big difference is this. Most of us sometimes, we're so focused on our role and what we need to do and what we need to get accomplished that we put Jesus completely to the side. This is what Peter is doing when he is starting off. He's just doing his job as a fisherman. He's just doing his role there. If it wasn't for Jesus forcing him into the boat, or actually Jesus getting into the boat with him and saying, well, we're here now, um, you've got to cast off, Peter would have just continued doing his role without any consideration. But because Jesus is in the boat with him, he has to stop. He has to listen. Now, and now at this point, you need to rewind a little bit. The first part of actually submitting your role to Christ is saying, okay, God, in all the areas of my life, and I, you pick the one that is the most tense or has the greatest amount of tension in the moment, whether it's the things you're responsible for, whether it's your health, was your financial situation, for all of those areas of tension, whether it is conflict in your family or how to raise your kids, stop and say, okay, Jesus, let me spend some time and sit with you and listen to you. Because if I stop and I sit and I listen, I believe you will tell me how to do my job better. You will tell me how to be better at my role. But if I just keep trying to do it myself, I'm going to find myself more tired, more frustrated, and worse at everything. Which is most of the case for us. Actually, we find less satisfaction in where we are. We find more frustration. We find more tension in our marriages or with our children because we don't find or take time to actually be with Christ. And I know it's hard. It's really busy. If you ask me, at this moment, Peter is already frustrated. He spent all night fishing. and He didn't catch anything. At this moment, he does not want to sit there for another, like, couple-hour lecture uh, about religion or about, you know, God, right? He probably wants to just scrub off those things and go off uh, to a local place and get a drink. But Jesus gets in his boat. This is our situation. Jesus is in your boat. If you have received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he is already in the boat with you. He has already pushed you off a little bit from the shore. He's already said, look, I'm here. I'm teaching. I'm, sit- I'm teaching. You're sitting here with me, and I'm teaching. I'm teaching my word to you. Are you listening? Are you awake? Or are you doing something else at the same time? One of the hardest things for us to do is actually stop and listen and, and listen to God. And, and what we can tell from here is what he's saying is, look, you've got to spend time with God in his word reading the Bible and asking him to speak to you from it, to really believe that he can because he is Jesus. He is God Almighty. And you can do it like Peter. You can say, look, okay, I don't know if you're a good fisherman or not, but because you say it, I will submit and I will obey. I will be there because you said to do it. And this is what Jesus is saying to all of you. Hey, sit with me for a while. Sit and listen to what I'm saying. Because if you do that, I will, I will help you in your role. I will help you in these situations. But you have to obey. 
see, all of us want to hear God. We, we all say, oh, I'd love to hear God. To be honest, what we want is we want to hear God say things we want him to say to us. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're blessed. You're loved. You're going to make lots of money. Oh, you know, you're going to be honored. You, we all want to hear that. Like, everyone wants to hear that. But to really hear God is he's, he doesn't say to Peter, say, oh, Peter, you are going to be the great, you're going to be the great apostle. You know, he doesn't say that. He says, oh, Peter, put the boat out into deeper water and throw your nets to the side. It's in, it's in those acts of obedience. And I know one thing that God is saying to all of us right now is, hey, spend time with me in my word and listen. Like, that is your first and primary role. And, and everything else will start to make sense afterwards. You know, you will find your place clear from that point. I can, I can imagine Peter... Like, he wasn't even planning to go to this talk, and he's there washing his nets, and then Jesus gets into his boat. On one hand, he probably feels, oh, that's quite honorable. But the second thing it means, like, oh, I have to stop washing my nets. In, uh, nowadays, with our mobile phones, uh, I've noticed it's a lot more difficult. And with your Apple Watch, it's very difficult to have conversations with people. Um, you can be sitting down, talking to someone, and you have a conversation, you're, you're you know, trying to learn about what's going on in their life, and then suddenly someone's phone or watch will go, Pzz, and then now you're, you're intentionally like that, and then the person says, oh, sorry, do you need to be somewhere? I say, oh, no, it's just nothing. I just uh, got stand up. You know, like some, some like small things like that, or your phone will buzz, and you say, and it will be talking to you while responding to this message. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's really good. I think it's really cool that you're doing that. Ha-ha. <laughs> okay. And uh, we've all kind of been there, right? And we do this thing where we think we can listen to someone else and do something else at the same time. It, it'd be like Peter in the boat washing his nets while Jesus is teaching. But we can't because we're not really listening. The first step is to really say, Jesus, actually, I really want to listen from you. I really want to hear what you're saying. The God we believe in isn't a make-believe God. Jesus is not a fake God that we just look at the Bible and hear stories about. This is God Almighty, this is Jesus who lived and died. He is the sovereign king of kings. Like, like it's, it's that moment that we need to start waking up and saying, oh, wow, okay, let me treat this differently. And this is where we come to part two. So part two of the story is incredible, right? So when they had done so, so, you know, Peter says, okay, because you say so, Jesus, I'll throw the nets on the side. He throws out the nets to the side. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled in their partners and other boats to come and help, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. In other words, Jesus is a really, 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 really good fisherman. Like, I mean, he's really good. I mean, he, he just needs to go fishing once, like, a month, it sounds like. He's that good of a fisherman. Now, if this is Jesus as a fisherman, who's, by the way, trained as a carpenter. I'm pretty sure he knows how to do all of our roles equally good. And yet, it starts by being willing to be in the boat with him and being able to listen to him and trust him and say, actually, you, you, you do know what you're talking about. Like, the crazy thing about this is the whole, the, the blessing is so big. The blessing is so overflowing that it's nearly destructive. Like, like the nets are breaking and the boats are sinking. Like, without your net and without your boat, you're not doing any more fishing ever in your life again. But God is saying, look, look, you think this is the most important thing, how much fish you have. And he's saying, you think your nets, 
are the most important thing, or your boat is the most important thing. And God is trying to say none of that matters because who I am and what I give you is going to be far more important and the things that really matter. I, in, our, in, our, in our sense, in our, in our church, sometimes I have this feeling, and I would not say it's because our, our church is like, um, it's really good, but there are po- points in our church where I'm like, okay, there's too many people in here. It's overflowing. Things are breaking. Uh, we might be getting close to breaking fire laws, stuff like that. You know, it, it gets a sense of like, it is so overwhelming that at the same time it becomes like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I will say, as, as the pastor of the church, I go home every day, and all day on holiday, I just think to myself, I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job at this pastoring thing because I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know how we're supposed to figure things out. I don't know where we're supposed to go. I don't know where we're supposed to build. I don't know what our strategy or plan is because I don't, I, I just want to keep going back to, maybe our church can just be back to being like 30 of us, right? And we just hang out together. It's like all really easy. And I'm at the same time, it's like, God, you're good. I got to trust you. And it's hard, right? Because the, the more busy you get or the more things that you see happening, you tend to want to rush and go wash nets some more, like sort out more things. And the first instinct is like, we got so much fish. Hey, guys, come over and help us. Let's make sure we get all this fish into the boat. Let's get everything going. You know, like, how do we manage this? And we're like, they're like in panic mode. And this is our mentality. And this is what happens to us when we get so focused on our role that we lose sight of that there's actually the guy who is in charge of everything with us. You know when you're, you're expecting a baby and you're pregnant, you know, you forget the, the time before when you say, God, if it's your will, uh, bring this baby into existence. Or God, let me get pregnant. Or God, let this baby be born. Let it be healthy. Because once the baby's born, you're just in panic mode. And you're like, oh my gosh, how can I even be alive? And you find there's more tension. You're more scrambling around. You find like, you know, your relationship with your spouse is broken down because you haven't, you, you haven't spoken to each other about anything other than childcare for, you know, three years. That we lose sight so much of this overwhelming blessing that God has given you, and now you're just so focused on that, you lose sight of actually who is the one that got you there. Like I used to say, people always pray all the time, oh, God, give me a job, God, give me a job. Then you get a job, and the first thing you're saying, oh, God, please let me find a new job. God, please let me find a new job. You know, like we're so consumed with the wrong kind of perspective that we lose sight of if you just focus on the fact that Jesus is in the boat with you and you can trust in him, then all the other stuff, the roles and all those places— fall into place. And we, we see this perfectly, actually, after this tremendous flow and this understanding that Jesus really knows. We see this because of Peter's response. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Simon Peter, when he first puts the nets out, it's not out of faith. He definitely doesn't believe Jesus is a good fisherman. He does it strictly out of obedience. And what we can learn from that is, that is fine. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. You just got to obey, okay? That's the starting point for everything. Just obey. Just read the Bible. You don't have to believe that God's going to speak to you at all, but just read it and do it. Because actually in that, God can respond and show you things. But it's the second part. Afterwards, he gets this biggest haul of fish ever that's overflowing, that's breaking the nets and breaking the boats. And the first thing is not like, God, can you slow it down? Because we, our, our boats are going to sink, right? His first inclination is falling at the feet of Jesus and essentially worshiping him. And, and his thing is actually, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Like, like what, what does he mean by that? Does he mean literally, Jesus, get out of the boat, jump, and swim to shore because uh, I'm, I'm a sinful person, right? Like, really, he, he should be the one jumping off the boat and swimming away. From, but he's so desperate that he says, 
Look, God, I know that you are. Jesus, you are perfect. You are holy. You are, you are not just any ordinary person. I am in ridiculous awe of you, and I have no right to be in your presence. Please. And he's there. You can imagine this is a mixture between pleading of going away and pleading, please don't ever leave. I need you to be with me so much. It is this, this desperate, humble, awestruck realization that Jesus is divine, perfect, powerful God. Like this, this is what we need to get to. You, you need to get to the point where you might be reading the Bible, and that's great in obedience, but you get to the point where you're like, oh, oh my gosh. Jesus is, Jesus is really, he's the, he's the thing. He's, he is really Lord of everything. Like, you got to be so blown away that your mind gets completely taken away from the fact of what you're worried about or what you're stressed about, whether it's your health or your finances or your job or your role, where it's something like, you know what, actually, whoa, 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 I'm really panicking over, over nothing. And I'm responsible for some things, but what I am most responsible for is falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, whoa, God, I'm, I'm sinful. And, and I'm, I'm trying, I, I like to imagine what, what Peter is confessing for. Like, I'm a sinful man. And I guess the first couple of things were like, oh, I'm totally sinful because I totally didn't believe you knew anything about fishing. I'm totally wrong. And then he goes to, actually, I'm, I'm totally sinful because here you are teaching and I could care less. And that only because I'm stuck in this boat with you that I had to listen. And then along the way, the more he thinks about them, we're like, oh, my gosh. This guy is this guy is God Almighty, and, and I'm just completely treating him like he's just some other bloke. And he falls his feeling like, oh my, I'm so sorry. That is not who you are. You are not just some other guy. You are not someone that I should even be allowed to be friends with, that I should know, that should acknowledge me. And yet here you are in the boat with me. Like, you're here in the boat with me. How amazing is that? And how does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, yeah, snap, that's right. You, now you get it. And he says, you know, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You just literally come up with the biggest haul of fish ever. You see this amazing thing. You, you do not have to worry about your financial position probably for, you know, a good month because there's so much fish. And you, add, you ask your friends to come over to get the boat by leaving your boat and your nets and all that fish. You're basically saying to the other boat, all of this is yours because I don't need it anymore because I have Jesus. If you cannot say that, then you know that you're not at that point where Peter is. You're still in the first stage, part one, which is like, okay, fine, I will, I will do this because of who you are which is an okay starting point. But really, you want to get to the point where it's a little bit like maybe Nagy or when we hear about Edwina going off, where you're at this point where like, oh, man, God, you are so, so good. You are so much bigger than I thought. Because what Jesus does is he takes that role that they thought they had as a fisher, and he takes and transforms it and turns it, you know what, you're not going to be a fisher of men. You know, I give you this new role, and I'm going to lead you into that. I'm going to teach you what that looks like. And in your relationships and the people around you and your responsibilities, you don't have to worry because you are following me. And is that call to discipleship? And Jesus is asking the same thing from us. He's saying, yeah, it's great that you're a Christian. It's great that you believe. It's great that you are saved because you know that Jesus died for you on the cross. 
But what I really want is I want you to know what it means to really trust him, to follow him, to really be his disciple. It's this last thing where you get to the point where you're like, actually, Jesus, you are so good and you're so holy and you're so far beyond anything I have. You make me. You make me whatever you want to do. I, I completely trust you. You're, I'm in this boat with you. You're not in my boat anymore. I'm in this boat with you. Right? What they do is they get, off, they get out of their boat and they say, oh, now I follow you. If Jesus is in the boat with you right now, it means he loves you so much. Like Simon Peter didn't do anything that had Jesus get into the boat with him. Jesus just picked it and got in that boat. We are all in that boat with him. He has chosen to be in the boat with us. He knows all the roles, the responsibilities, the pressures that you have. And he's saying, yeah, I'm here with you. But submit. Trust me. Spend time in the word with me. Go deeper with me. And I will set you off a little bit further from shore, but you'll be okay. And then when you do that, you get to that moment where you realize, actually, this guy, this guy is greater than that. And he begins to transform all those other roles that you thought define you and start to pay, you know, you are first and foremost a daughter or son of Christ. And how that role looks like afterwards is completely different. See, if we look at this kind of list of attributes or skills, trees in your character creation thing, right? You have your health, you have your time, you have your energy, your money, your responsibility, your, your experience. And all these different things, they might cause anxiety for us or fear. We wish we were better at this. We wish we knew more about this. We wish we were a better manager, better uh, parent, better friend, better daughter, better son. We wish we had better health. We wish we had a better job. And all these things surround us so much like a, a bit of a storm. But actually, the starting point is saying, okay, okay Jesus, let me put those nets down for a second. Let me just stop washing for a second. Let me get in the boat with you. Let me sit. Let me listen. Let me be in your presence because I, maybe my faith is small. I'm doing it just because you tell me to do it. I will sit here with you. I will listen. But if you have a little bit more, you have a little bit more than that, say, actually, God, I believe you can say something through your word. I really believe it. Can you do that? Can you, can you speak to me in your word today? Like, when I say this out, I'm not saying it at my risk. This is not my risk that you're going to go home, read the Bible, and God's not going to say anything. There's no risk involved here for me because I believe our God is that good. That when you spend time in his word, he will speak to you. Our problem is we just don't bother. So, so let's do it. And, and, and the beginning, doesn't, it might start a little bit here, but really it's when you go home tomorrow or tonight where you sit down in God's word and say, okay, I'm, I'm in the boat with you now. Teach me. Show me. It's to get to this point where really, actually, Jesus, you make me. You make me. You, you take me wherever you want to go, and I trust you in that. And it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go far away, but it means I take you wherever you go in the way you treat your family, the way you treat your children, the way you treat your spouse, the way you respond at work, the way you look at your studies. In all of these areas, there is this transformation because you are Christ's and you belong to him. Shall we pray? Now, as your, as your heads are bowed, we're coming before the presence of God. And you have, to, you have to really understand Jesus is here now. And one thing I want you to, to do is to say and realize, actually, Jesus is standing right in front of you. Each of you, he knows exactly where you are. He is in that boat with you. 
And the question I want to ask, if you are currently in a stage where you are struggling in your role in life, and it's the point of, of maybe your greatest tension or greatest frustration, and really you have to be honest. It's like, you know what? It is my wife, or it is my husband, or it is my child, or it is my boss, or it is my career. All, all these things, or it is my studies, or it is my parents. In all those areas, wherever it is, you say, okay, God, that is my greatest source of frustration right now, my place of confusion or doubt or discouragement or negative thoughts. I want you to, to pray this prayer. His prayer is, God, you know me. You know my situation. You know my weaknesses, my struggles, my heart's condition. Just like you knew Peter before he was in the boat, you know him. But I hear your voice today and I obey you. I submit my identity to you. I submit my role to you. Whatever I think my role should be, I submit it to you. And because you say it, I will follow. So Jesus, I sit in this boat with you. Teach me. Let your words pierce my heart so I am made by you. Holy Spirit, speak the words of Christ to me now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Even as we come and worship God now, um, if you know God's been speaking to you, and you can even spend this time to open up your Bible and just read through it yourself. But as we worship, as we come and respond, really take this time to say, you know, God, I am in this boat with you. Let me be humbly awestruck at who you are, desperately yearning for him. If at the same time you know that there's something God stirred up in your heart, you need someone to pray with you, just pull up the person next to you and say, can you pray for me? This is what's going on. Or if you know any of your cell group leaders or someone in your cell group, just invite them to pray for you. But really listen to God's now. Let's come and worship. Thank you.